This is Table Talk 18.5 from the guys at Late Afternoon Gaming. We've got the Ombudsman Report, followed by the long-awaited discussion on abortion. Finally. Skip this if you're a coward and go straight to Session 19. Otherwise, enjoy this week's round of Table Talk. Hey, one nice thing about the new setup is the tiny, tiny waveform issue seems to be solved. This, I'm, I'm actually getting like decent, decent output in Audacity. I actually, I'll tell you what, that actually, that was something that I thought was an issue, and it's actually a blessing in oh. disguise because, <laughs> um, what'll happen is because you and Nerf both have the same thing, uh, or had the same thing where your waveforms would be itty bitty and I would have to amplify your stuff by like 30, 40 decibels, something like that. Mm. But what that meant was that like you had no white noise at all because like it was registering so low that when I amplified it, it, there would just be like some static, but it would be like the cleanest static in the world. So one swipe of noise reduction would get rid of it. Yeah, I suspect that won't be an issue with this setup either. Instead of a noise gate, it has an expander, which is a lot better at eliminating white noise without doing any sort of low clipping. Sure. Yeah, but the the problem with me and Duncan is that we've got these big, nice, juicy waveforms, and it really catches every single little piece of other <laughs> bullshit that's going on in the room. And uh, so it it's something that annoyed me at first with you and Nerf, but it turns out it's actually great uh, because when, once I do all the cleaning, your audio sounds amazing, and then I usually have white noise problems with uh, Duncan and I, and not you guys. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll see how this one goes. He'll have to tell me if it's... If need be, I can switch back to the old setup. I still have all the stuff, so if it sounds significantly mm-hmm. worse, just let me know and I'll go back to it. Sure. Uh, it probably won't be a big deal either way. Well, I'm but. a white noise supremacist. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna make that joke. You stole it from me. <laughs> I beat you to it. Yeah. Uh, so for the ombudsman report, I actually have a lot of stuff. It's what I normally do when I... This session was like, like 75 minutes long. I know. So normally what will happen how much is... we fucked up. <laughs> no, no. It, it, it's, almost all of it is not from the sessions, from Table Talk. Yeah. It's a pretty robust Table Talk. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, but uh, so what I normally do when I am generating my list of things to talk about is uh, I'll... On the day we do the... Uh, recording is when I do the editing. Uh, by and large, there are a couple exceptions, but that's normally what I do. So I do that, takes most of the day. And then the next day, I will listen to the podcast, and that's when I'll take my notes on things I want to bring up during Table Talk or uh, the Ombudsman Report. Well, I didn't do that last time. So last night, uh, I was like, yeah, let me check my notes just to refresh my memory on what it is I want to talk about tomorrow, and then realized I didn't have any. Uh, and this was like late at night, and I go to bed pretty early. I was like, ah, oh, shit, now I have, to, I have to listen to these now so I can generate my list. But my God, where there's so many things that we brought up, just like baseless assertions. And <laughs> I don't even remember just, what we talked about. It was so long ago. Uh, Are you sure they weren't a bit of stuff? Like based assertions? It was both, mm. for sure. But uh, first thing I want to bring up is during the Ombudsman report, we were talking about camels. Nerf brought up the idea, or not the idea, Nerf brought up uh, the fact that he was homeschooled as a kid. Jack reacted to that by saying, oh, that explains a lot. So, Jack, what I want to do is ask you, why are you so prejudiced against homeschooled people? Uh, Well, to be clear, I'm prejudiced against almost everybody. So it's not that I'm calling them out. I'm not making an exception. I just hate everybody. That said, I did know a few homeschooled people when I was at college, and all of them 
were some variety of odd. Not necessarily a bad thing, but... As opposed to all the other people you knew who were all totally normal? They, it, there was a trend, okay? That's... It was, it was significant enough for me to notice it. All right, that is... That explains a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that explains a that. lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and Nerf, I think, is a valid data point, because he's a, a, a freak, right? I am a freak. He's a freak in, the in the bed. our group oh. of four people. <laughs> I was going to say, in our group of four people, one of whom is homeschooled, him, mm-hmm. he's also the only one who's married. <laughs> That's correct. And yeah, what a about freak. camels. God, that, that's he true. He does know about camels. He does know about camels. Okay, so I brought up last time that BTS does not stand for Burn This Stage. And I said that I thought that that was the case because a friend of mine had made that assertion at some point and I had just taken it on faith. Well, I actually, between last session and now, talked to that friend and asked her if she had told me that. Uh, and the answer is no, I misinterpreted it. It was a name of like a tour they did, a concert, an event, or something like that. But she had never made the claim that that's what BTS stood for, generally speaking. So now How do you know that, that is, maybe uh, she misremembered and you were right all along? I- I'm entirely yeah. willing to believe that I was the one who was mistaken. That's That's fine with me. Way to be confident in your answers, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I made a, a bad joke at one point that probably didn't make any sense uh, where we were talking about how to get more viewers, more patrons, whatever and what we were saying or one of my suggestions is we should be a misspelling of something else so that people inadvertently get redirected to us and I, I said that we're movie filk instead of movie phone but you which meant 555 like, filk I meant 555 filk so this is a Seinfeld reference where Kramer's number becomes one number away from 555 film, which is movie phone. But movie filk doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so that was like a, a poorly delivered joke. Duncan got it, but it, it still wasn't good. So I just wanted to clear up what that was. I gave you a charity laugh, but I knew you were wrong. And I left mm-hmm. it for you to correct yourself. Which he did. It just took three weeks to get there. Because he kept canceling our sessions. That's true. That Yeah, that is on me. Um... Okay, I forgot to look one of these up, so I'm not going to bring it up. Uh, one thing that I thought was funny, uh, Jack, you brought up Demi, Lo- Demi Lovato singing songs to ghosts yeah. to like you know ease their suffering or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I I can't believe that nobody decided to compare Demi Lovato to Death Clock because that's basically what Death Clock does in Metalocalypse. They start recording songs and singing them to fishes on their submarine. Oh, um, <laughs> I never watched uh, Metalocalypse, so I guess I wouldn't. Like- I want to say that's like. <laughs> That's like episode two or something. <laughs> it's a great um, show. Yeah, so it's uh, that's where Mermaider comes from, uh, oh. which is of course a portmanteau of mermaid and murder, <laughs> uh, which is a which is a great song. But I'm surprised that neither Duncan nor I thought to bring that up at the time. Do you think that we could convince Adult Swim to bring back Perfect Hair Forever? I think you can convince them to do pretty much anything. Uh, it's a very strange <laughs> programming. Yeah, Demi, um, and then my last note... I think it was Demi oh, Lovato. Uh, somebody, and I'm pretty sure it was her, also had the thing where she she said that we should stop using the word aliens because it, uh, it was insensitive towards extraterrestrials. Um, She's not wrong. Yeah, who was that? Yeah, that uh, was Demi that Lovato was says calling yeah. extraterrestrials aliens is offensive. <laughs> Make sure you link that. Yeah, I'll- Rolling Stone. That's why I call them illegal xenoforms. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> no. 
Alright, and then my last note that I have written here is, it just says, Yu-Gi-Oh! A bridge sucks. So apparently I disagree <laughs> with you, Nerf. <laughs> what? Um, no, I, so I think I, you're I watched wrong. like I watched like five of them, and I think I think it's a lot older than Dragon Ball Z Abridged is, and Dragon Ball Z Abridged is just much higher quality, uh, like just production quality is a lot higher. Uh, I see um, what you're saying. Okay, so that I, also I'm much more familiar with Dragon Ball Z than I am with the Yu-Gi-Oh show, so I think I just the jokes landed better for me. Well, it's but possible my, that. Yu-Gi-Oh! Bridge kind of falls into the Napoleon Dynamite realm of hilarious at the time, not not nearly as funny now. I haven't watched Napoleon uh, Dynamite. I don't think Napoleon so Dynamite long, falls into that realm. <laughs> yeah, it might still be really funny. I just haven't seen it in a while. Sorry, I'm chewing. That's why I keep muting myself. Yeah, it's good. Keep, don't mute yourself. Keep it in. It's like ASMR. Did you guys like the okay. ASMR thing that I put in uh, in the Discord? I did. Yeah. Oh, the tax evasion. Yeah, e-girl aggressively <laughs> whiskers had to commit tax fraud in your ears, ASMR. <laughs> mm-hmm. Perfect. Uh, during the session itself, uh, I thought it was really amusing at the beginning when we were sort of getting back into, or we were starting to get into the session itself, and Duncan wanted to just take a moment to have us describe our characters because it's been a while since we played them, which I thought made perfect sense. I just thought it was remarkable listening to it again how little Jack managed to actually capture about his character when prompted for a description. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he didn't He didn't mention, like, a lot of, like, pretty important things when... You know, there's a short list of things that you might bring up when you're talking about your D&D character. Uh, like, <laughs> uh, your class <laughs> uh, people would normally bring up. Uh, or, you know, somewhat important story beats, like, we're vampires. Things that... <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm going to challenge you didn't on that. bring up at all. I'm gonna. I think that Jack is so deep into his character that he w- he didn't even consider what he considers to be superficial, um, you know, basically rules based elements of his character. See, I'm gonna counter. And that he really with, he spent most of the time describing how one dimensional his character was, and which like is that, really that. <laughs> at the heart of his character. Yeah, is that you know that was the point. Much of one. Yeah. yeah, great job. So, <laughs> so I'm I'm, that I'm concerned fun. that uh, you totally missed. All of the depth that he presented us with, guys. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah, that's got to be it. just on a whim. I actually looked up the e-girl tax evasion uh, video, and it is mostly mm-hmm. wet mouth noises. <laughs> okay, so I'll, did you make it? Uh, I did not, but it is. Uh, you know, they beat me to the punch, but I'll have to think is of something it else now. Wet mouth six pack man. Yeah, whatever that sound effect is. Yeah, oh. whatever the name of the sound effect was from uh, like 10 yeah, sessions ago. Yeah, make sure you ago. play that during this, please. Speaking of which, we should do another Adventures League we session at some point. Yeah, well, I need I need to do more research. And unfortunately, I'm juggling like four different scenarios right now. Mm-hmm. I'm, I have two that I'm running for our group that are not this game that I still need to close out. Plus, next week, I'm on the hook to start running one of those same adventures for a different group while our regular GM is taking a break due to burnout, which is actually a perfect segue into our next topic, which is the serial willer, er, the serial killer of the week for this week is BTK. Mm. Oh, great. <laughs> um, <laughs> Good. I love a Friend of the show, BTK. Yeah. Uh, friend of yeah. The, yeah, super fan BTK. Uh, well, let me finish with the... Uh... We actually have some important topics to discuss this week, so let me finish. I, I, I have some of my own as well, so let me know when you're done, and then I'll uh, I'll one up you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> great. 
so if you listened to the session last week, which I imagine nobody did last week, three weeks ago, I listened um, to it. Then I'm, I'm downloading people- number two. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, people may notice sometimes that I get a little lazy with the music uh, when I do these. So when I first started doing this, I use Epidemic Sound for all my music. And what I was doing was I was taking songs that I thought fit a certain mood or atmosphere or whatever, and I would make a 10-minute version of it, because a lot of times we're in the same scene for a long time, and I don't want to have to like keep reinserting these like two- or three-minute songs in. So I'll make a 10, 15-whatever-minute loop of it, and save that so I can just throw those in, and it makes the music stuff a lot faster. Well, I got really lazy doing that, too, so I only did it with, like, maybe a total of, like, 50 songs, uh, which, you know, doesn't really cover a particularly broad variety of things. So I've only got, like, five or six fight songs that I did with that. Um, and, uh, I, whenever I am just get lazy, I just use those ones over and over, and I did that with this fight as well, so... I'm, I want to take the time and, and get better about that, but every once in a while I just don't really feel like doing the editing, uh, which as the editor is probably not a good attitude, but uh, just something I want to bring up as one of my many character flaws. Well, thanks for falling on the sword there. Yeah. Uh, and the last thing I want to bring up, we did bring up uh, Baba Yaga. Uh, so I just wanted to plug, I think there's a great podcast out there, which a lot of people have probably heard of. It's called Myths and Legends, um, which I think is, uh, it's like a fun way to get introduced to a lot of different like folklore from around the world they're usually about like 30 minutes long uh and that's where i had first heard of uh, or first had any sort of like more in-depth knowledge of uh what baba yaga is um and so that's that's why i remembered uh i'm sure jack has his own sources but when the chicken footed cabin came up where it's like oh yeah that's that's like a real thing um well, actually, I think Bobby Egg is not real. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, but that, yeah. that is real-world folklore. Uh, and uh, listening to Myths and Legends is what clued me into that. So I thought that was worth plugging because it's a pretty good podcast. Yeah, I'd like to piggyback on that. So it's important for us to use our platform to uh, raise up unknown influencers and uh, content creators like Myths and Legends. So Right. Uh so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I like them a lot, too, and I, I want them to get the exposure that I think they deserve. Uh, going into our podcast statistics, so we're up to <laughs> 607 all-time downloads. Uh, yeah. I right, feel like, so, like this said, is, it was really exciting when we brought this up in earlier sessions, and these days it's mostly just depressing. It is. Well, and I think we're running into similar issues that we do. Uh, Duncan has mentioned it before with Reddit, where if you've got a subreddit that's got like two people as members it'll say like two members five online (laughs) it's providing it whatever algorithm it uses it provides some estimate so when you're talking about really big numbers it's usually you know fairly accurate like there's not a huge as a percentage percentage error yeah yeah but when you're talking really small numbers then you know it's, it's like grossly inaccurate um well, we're seeing something similar here. So when I'm looking at my, uh, and listen, Simplecast, I love you, but I think these stats don't really make a lot of sense. So it says I've got 15 downloads in the past seven days, um, including today. Oh. But then it says I have 18 unique listeners during those last seven well, days. It's because and I don't there think were, that makes any it's sense. It's because somebody downloaded it, but then there were two people in the room listening to it. Uh-huh. <laughs> they played it at a party. and yeah. no, they, they, they played it on their Xbox Connect. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's smart. Yeah. Uh, 
So that's it for the Ombudsman Report, but I think it's pretty obvious the first thing we need to talk about, given the time we're in. So right now it's the it's early May 2022, mm-hmm. uh, and what that means is that we are very shortly after the leaked Supreme Court opinion by uh-huh. uh, Alito, where uh, it looks like it might be a majority opinion, we don't know yet, um, but it is. it seems possible that we're going to be overturning Roe v. Wade. Right. As we've established before, we are single-issue podcast, and that single issue is abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, now, rather than discuss the policy, because I find that boring, I think what we should be doing this table talk is settling the issue once and for all of the moral principles involved with abortion, i.e., when does abortion become murder? Oh, I well, think I'd, that uh, you I'd shouldn't... Like to... uh, Hold you, on. Oh, yeah, you, you go first. Uh, before we before we dive into this, I think it's important to explain roughly what was in that leaked opinion, right? And I think more or less what it said was the Supreme Court was going to make it illegal for anyone to ever get an abortion ever again. Uh, right? Yeah, that's I, exactly. I, what I believe it said. that is what it's <laughs> that's what it said, right? That's what uh, I saw in the news. You're exactly right. That's that's what it said. Also, women are becoming property again, right? I I think it said something in there about removing their right to vote as well, um, but. Uh, yeah, so just, just to make that crystal clear to everyone, the Supreme Court is banning abortion forever. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, listening to the Bailey has made me uh, want to establish the ground rules like this early on. I think it's probably pretty safe to say that most people would agree if you take like a one-year-old kid and euthanize them, that that would be murder. Can we agree to that? Well, what do you mean by murder? And I'm not I'm not trying to be a troll here, but definitions are going to be important. Uh, okay. Hmm. Uh, I guess... Uh, yeah, you're right. So that's like malice of forethought and various other legal definitions when you're talking about murder. So I guess we do use that word a little liberally when we talk about this. So let's say it would be morally incorrect to, uh, to euthanize a one-year-old child. Can we say that? I, well, so I, I want to say yes, but at the risk of being too pedantic, I want to make it clear that this is already like a bad faith false equivalence because really it would need to be like a one-year-old polyp on the, you know, on the mother's body that was, you no, know no, what I mean? So, so what, what I'm getting at is that I'm, I'm trying to figure out where the line is. So if you say, hey, a one-year-old, it's wrong, but I think most people would also agree that... Uh, a woman evacuating the unfertilized eggs, like a thousand of them every month, is not immoral. Mm. Uh, like, there's nothing wrong with that. So somewhere between those two events, uh, between an unfertilized egg being flushed from the body and a one-year-old child being killed, somewhere between those two you know, mm-hmm. events on the life spectrum of an unfertilized egg versus a, like a out-of-the-womb human, it becomes wrong sometime between those two events. That's what I'm trying to get at. Oh, yeah. I, I'll let somebody else go first. W- would you Would you agree that that is that there is some point in there that so it, I, I, it again, turns from I, I not okay to, to okay? I think we need to now? define more words here. We're like, what do you mean by wrong? Do you mean not a good idea for society on a large scale? Do you mean like cosmically significant in some way, or like condemned by a deity? Uh, well. Hmm. I, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, it's going to come down to, this is going to be a discussion between the four of us of our own moral principles, uh, sure. because I can't claim to speak for a god or prove that they exist. 
No, I, um, I hear what you're saying. I guess my, my point is, I'll, I'll hit this from a couple of different angles. While I, while I think it's a bad idea to have it be legal for people to run around killing one-year-old children, I also don't really believe in right and wrong in any kind of cosmic or otherwise objective sense. That doesn't mean we can't come up with systems of, of rules that like generally serve our purposes collectively, but it, it does mean that it's tough to point at something and just say, this is wrong, because that it's tough for me to... We, we're just not even going to agree on what that means. Hmm, yes. Well, I understand what you're saying that is going to vastly complicate this discussion. Well, it is. So here's <laughs> just another sort of piece of the groundwork, because... To Duncan's point, yeah, most of the... I, I agree that I don't have a really strong take on objective right and wrong. I don't think that's a thing. But there are definitely things that we can do that satisfy our preferences. And, you know, we can just call that morality. And there is... There are cases where it's obviously not okay in a general sense to kill something. Like, you know, if you if somebody went around killing a bunch of five-year-olds, I think most people would get upset and they would have good reason to do so. But if you go all the way to the other end of like, you know, is is jacking off genocide because I just wasted all those sperm, I, th- and I think most people would not be upset about that. But there is a point somewhere where you would expect there to, to be a transition. And the hard thing is, I think you're basically just repeating exactly well, yeah. what I said. So before. I'm, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring a term in here because there's actually a, a name for this. It's I've heard it called the transitional fallacy, and I've also heard it called the continuum fallacy, where you have two extremes, but it's impossible to draw the point where you flip from one to the other, or maybe it's a smooth transition. Right, you I can't tell. And so it's then, an extension of something like the Sorites paradox. Yeah, where, and the classic example is baldness, yeah. right? Like if I had a full head of hair, and then I start plucking hairs one by one, at what point do I become bald? You know? <laughs> like, it's it's hard to say. Um, and so, usually the, the strategy that people take in that situation is they pick some, some point where something very explicit happens, and then they say, okay, we're just going to use that as our marker. So, in the case of abortion you might you might, yeah, do it might be a heartbeat or, or being able to feel pain yeah, or, or being a viable birth or whatever yeah, but then it you, you reach the like let's say you use birth as the example someone can easily walk in and say well realistically what's the difference between the baby one minute after coming out versus one minute before coming out like it's the same baby <laughs> so how can you say one's okay and one's not but you can apply that argument to literally any point in the timeline which makes it so that yeah. you, it, you know, take that to its logical, absurd conclusion, and you say that both extremes are exactly the same, which doesn't make any sense. So these arguments are always going to be borderline impossible to talk about because there's no, there's there's no objective way to go about it, and it's mostly just going to rest on people's feelings about what does and doesn't matter. Right. I, I I tend to agree with that, and I think a lot of this is just a visceral reaction to what what's probably unpleasant for everyone involved um but on the one hand i can see the utility for abortion on the other hand i can like like i can see why people think that it's wrong uh i i don't have strong feelings about it although i did used to um i think i'm more interested in attacking this issue from 
I guess, uh, like zooming out a little bit and looking at are people, you know, the, the people making these claims, like if, if someone is a, I don't like pro-life and pro-choice because I think they're just not good descriptors, but I think pro and anti-abortion are probably better. Um, but if you're, if you are anti-abortion because you think, you know, human life or the lives of infants or children in particular are, are sacred, then, um, does that also extend to your thoughts on, like, do you continue to care about it once it's born? Yeah, that's one of the big, uh, one of the big jokes is, uh, the moment they care about you until you get born. And then after that, you can go fuck yourself. Right, right. So, uh, I mean, unless that that particular standpoint is also surrounded by views on, you know, ensuring that uh, hospital care is available for underprivileged people or, um, you know, the like improving the foster care system or something like that. Like, I don't think that's a it's a view that doesn't make a lot of sense in a vacuum. It makes sense in a context. Um, and so if it is part of a like general larger campaign or position to just treasure life in general, um, then I think that makes sense. If it isn't, then I, I start to wonder what the basis of it is. But it, I mean, to be totally honest, I, I, it's not an issue that I've ever really had to wrestle with personally and I don't have strong opinions on. Sorry, I just got a work call. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, can you repeat all that? I'll, I'll take a stance. I personally think that, uh, and, and just to get the foundation, I, I don't view fetuses as, like, people. Uh, <laughs> even even a newborn baby, it doesn't really seem like much of a person to me. That takes time. So if somebody gets an abortion, to me, nothing of value has been lost. And if a woman doesn't want to have a baby, go for it. You know, you kill, kill that thing and, and chuck it away. It doesn't matter. So- I will say... I, I do think there are a couple of positions that I think are particularly silly. Like, I do think it is it is silly to be uh, anti-abortion generally uh, if if your view is that... Um, or I guess it's, it's, it's silly to simultaneously hold the positions that abortion is wrong because, uh, because it's murder, but allow it in the cases of rape or incest. Yeah, I, I think that those are kind of fundamentally, or they're contradictory. Or right, like you're, I, you're making I, some sort of special exception for no apparent reason. Previously, I was pretty staunchly anti-abortion. Now I've you know cooled and I'm just kind of non-committed. But e- even then, I, I thought that that was not really that was not a reconcilable position. Where you know, if you believe that you're killing, taking an innocent life, it it, it is still as innocent. If it's the product of rape or incest, um, right? So the, you know, the, I, I'm trying to think of an analogous one. I'm, I'm sure there are uh, pro-abortion stances or reasonings that I also disagree with. It's just not an issue I'm well educated on. Yeah, um, yeah, because you know, people will bring up stuff about like medical issues, and I think that's that is somewhat separate. I.e., if there's some case where, like, saving the Saving the mother requires aborting the fetus or something like that. I think cases of medical triage weigh a little differently there. Um, I think it's still an important decision to make, but that's at that point you're you're talking a slightly different situation. Uh, but but yeah, that's that's something that I agree with. It it's inconsistent. You can still think it's you know 
a problem, but yeah, like you said, that the fetus in this case, you know, if you're saying it's murder, it's still murder even if it's yeah. a rape baby or something like that. I will say what confuses me about the debate, not the issue, is I get the impression... Well, I, I've i never been clear on what the biblical support for the pro-life position is, because... It's not as as far as I know, and I, I you know I could be wrong about this, but I think the Bible's pretty mute on it. Um, I mean, certainly there was nothing resembling like what we have now in terms of you know medical technology uh, when the Bible was written. But um, it it does seem to be a primarily religiously motivated issue. Um, there are which I think is odd because I think there are really good arguments to make for the pro life position that are secular. Um, but they're just not the ones I hear, uh, usually. Um, yeah, I think there's something, uh, and I, I could be wrong, and you're well, much more studied uh, on the Bible than I am, but it's the the one that I always heard, it's the same one as the, uh, like, you shouldn't masturbate one, where it's like you shouldn't spill your yeah. seed on the ground or something like that. Yeah, yep. So even that uh, particular story, though, is is like... I, I I think misunderstood, and it's been a while since I've read this one. But the 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 guy's name was Onan, um, and there was a I think it was Jewish law, you know, some rabbinical laws, probably in Ecclesiastes or something like that. That essentially, if a if the brothers in a family, like if if one of them had a wife and then he died without giving her children then it was the responsibility of like the next brother in line to marry her and give her children. And um, there was a woman that was in this position where her, her first husband had died without giving her a child. And the, the brother whose responsibility it was to marry her, he did marry her, but he didn't want to have children with her for whatever reason. And so he, quote unquote, spilled his seed on the ground. Um, and... Uh, you know, so it's a violation is, of some some law or custom at the time right, to not it, impregnate her. Not it's not like a don't masturbate thing or something, right? Um, or, or you know that that seems that's the way I read it. Is is you know he had a duty, he had an obligation that he didn't fulfill, and that what was that's what was being poo pooed. Um, but it's often, I mean, masturbation is sometimes referred to as onanism. Um, so. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't know, um, and, and I don't I don't know if that's just like a weird traditional thing, or or maybe I totally misunderstand that issue. I'm, I'm freely willing to admit that, and I'm sure we'll find out in the next Ombudsman report. But uh, probably not. <laughs> just get on your computer and Google Bible masturbation. <laughs> I'm on it. So, um, I think the more interesting thing about this, though, going back to the actual ruling, is at least based on the leaked memo, the or the opinion. Anyway. Well, yeah, the yeah, it's not a ruling. Yeah, yeah the that's opinion. For sure. Um, the so Roe v. Wade ultimately is based on the right to privacy that is not actually in the Constitution, but is kind of assumed to be there, and is like the original ruling has been used as precedent for a lot of things that are privacy related. Um, right. And by if this gets overturned, basically saying, "Hey, by the way, your right to privacy doesn't cover this if it's a right at all." that opens the door for a lot of other things to also get taken out. So even if... Yeah, people were talking about uh, sodomy, gay marriage, stuff yep, like that. all of that is, is uh, you know, something that could get 
struck down if we say, oh, by the way, the right to privacy, not actually in the Constitution, so not actually something that exists. So even if you don't care about this particular thing, it could be used as precedent to take to take away things that you might care about otherwise. True, but I, I guess, and you know, call me an idealist, but it's, I mean, the, the Supreme Court is not a legislative body. It is not their job to decide what should or shouldn't be law. It's to interpret law. And, um, you know, if this is a bad, if, if they determine that Roe v. Wade was not sound in some way, then regardless of what's built on top of it, I think, you know, based on my understanding of how the judiciary works, like that's, it's their responsibility to say, no, this isn't, um, you know, this can't stand. And then, you know, the consequences are whatever they are. And if, if, you know, as a democracy, if we decide as a people that these, you know, we want to change what the law is, there are other mechanisms to do that that do not involve the Supreme Court. Yeah. And I, I know it's like way messier than that. And, and, uh, yeah, that's a shockingly optimistic yeah. view of democracy from the so, guy who hates democracy more than anyone else I know. Yeah, you it's with not Cole, an optimistic view. I, I, th- I, I think I'm not saying it works. I'm saying I think that's those are their responsibilities as I understand them. Yeah, but the issue with that is when you overturn a precedent, um, you know, so if in the absence of getting rid of Roe v. Wade to Jack's point, if someone now tries to make a law that says, hey, sodomy is not okay, um, they can lean on this precedent that is set in Roe v. Wade in cases that came after it that says, hey, no, we've got a precedent saying that that is constitutional. You can't make a law that, you know, gets in the way no, of that. I, if you I, then I, overturn I that precedent, that. then it, it clears the path for those laws. I, I understand that, but I, I, I think, I mean, I, I think it's kind of their responsibility to do exactly what they're doing, right? Is to kind of, you know, damn the consequences, like we're going to interpret the constitution and, um, and it's the legislator's responsibility to legislate, not ours. Like I, I sure. this is where no, we have I, I three separate. With, yeah, that, I agree with your interpretation of their roles. It's just the consequences of that can. And generally speaking, I'm much more pro democracy than anyone else in this room is. Uh, but this, and the particulars of our system, and with specific cases like this, uh, can lead to some adverse outcomes, uh, even if you are following the process correctly, given the presence of potentially bad actors. No question. Now, the good news is, yeah, <laughs> I don't know if you guys uh, caught this part. This is another part that people have been kind of joking about. But in the memo, they basically say, hey, by the way, this logic we're using, uh, it only applies to abortion. It, do- it doesn't apply to anything else. People are like, what do you, what do you mean? How <laughs> does that make any sense? What's the specific text of that? I didn't actually read it. So. Um, let me let me find the quote here. I had it up earlier. Uh, keep keep vamping. I'll, I'll get it once I have it. Mm. Yeah, I would say because that, like I said, I had to step away earlier because I had a, a work call. Which, by the way, I'm about to get another one. I'm pretty sure, but uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. Wouldn't I think that the abortion issue is is really interesting? And the thing that I think the most about is um, because there's. There's medical stuff, there's practical economic stuff, there's demographic stuff involved. That stuff just doesn't really interest me. Uh, the stuff that interests me is the debate of when does that when does that thing gain personhood? Um, and not even really in the legal sense of when does that person gain you know constitutional rights? Which I, I think is not a totally uninteresting question, but it's just not the thing that fascinates me about it. I am interested in 
that distinction uh, yeah. between when it is not considered a human versus when it is. See, and I uh, guess to I, me, that's an uninteresting debate because it's a settled debate. The answer is, it depends on your definitions. Uh, and that's that's it. Sure, but I, I'm interested in, in people's arguments and their definitions. I think it's an... I think it's an interesting thing to discuss because I think there are a lot of different valid interpretations of it based on the directions you're coming from, and I find that kind of thing interesting. Oh. See, I, I guess I, I find it uninteresting for exactly the same reason, that it's it's sort of intractable in that way because people will define it however they like and they will inevitably disagree. And so what interests me is the, okay, given the intractability of this kind of definitional problem, how do you come up with a policy that um, either suits the greater good or the rights of the individual, sometimes at the expense of the greater good, um, and how do you define those things, and how, you know, like that, that, that kind of, how do you wade through the murkiness of it all procedurally is what interests me. Okay, so here is the here's the quote. To ensure that our decision is not misunderstood or mischaracterized, we we emphasize that our decision concerns the constitutional right to abortion and no other right. Nothing in this opinion should be understood to cast doubt on precedents that do not concern abortion. Yeah, I mean, I that seems read weird. The opinion, yeah, it, but that <laughs> well, seems like a stupid <laughs> cop out. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to. I guess I I should probably just read the whole thing and see the text that surrounds it because. Oh yeah, it's easy. Absent easy anything, to take if he's context, talking about. Yeah. Yeah, if, if, if there might be something around that, again, not having read it, that makes that make perfect sense. All right. Uh, and Get ready, though, because it's 98 pages long, so just be ready. Well, I happen it, to be able to read relatively it, quickly. It's entirely possible, though, that, I mean, based on what we've said about right to privacy and, and you know, other other stuff that relies on this as a foundation, that they... They want to do the thing that I just described, which I, I, as far as I know, is like kind of the ideal of what they're supposed to be doing. But they also do not want it to have all these downstream effects, and it's kind of a have, have our cake and eat it too situation. Right? Where, yeah, no, that's definitely entirely possible. Uh, and and I mean, I'm talking out of my ass because I fucking don't know. Um, but that's the first thing I think when I hear that is. Yeah, and I, I don't even know how the Supreme Court decides what they are or are not. Like what cases to consider? I don't know how they wound up looking at Roe v. Wade again. I don't know how that works. Yeah, I'm I'm learning more about the Supreme Court, uh, just based on the things that mostly podcasts that I listen to that talk about Supreme Court decisions and how they get there. But this is not one that I've paid any attention to, yeah. so I don't know. So to review, when they decide what cases, the Supreme Court uses a rule of four where if four of the nine justices decide that they want to hear something, um, that there's, like, paperwork they submit and then they can hear it. And then this mm. isn't, this isn't like, you know, they, it's not overturning Roe v. Wade. It's, it's really overriding it by setting a new precedent with a new case. They're not rehearing Roe v. Wade. There's a, it's a different case related to Roe v. Wade that they were hearing that, mm-hmm. they're new, this, that this would be a ruling on, which would contradict okay. what was previously established in Roe v. Wade. That sure. makes a and lot so of sense. So what people are talking about is, yeah, overriding the precedent, not literally yeah. going back yeah. and throwing that case away. Yes. Sure. This isn't, okay. this isn't calling up Roe v. Wade and saying, you know, it's gone. This is overriding it and saying, hey, this was, you know, as it relates to this new case, this old one was incorrect. Right. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, which which has happened many, many times, these kinds of things. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
like Brown v. Board of Education is uh, famous for that. Yeah, I, I, I am a, I don't know. I guess I'm, I don't know demographically, like, how the abortion issue breaks down across the U.S. I mean, I, I know that typically pro-life is a red position and pro-choice is a blue position, but I, I don't know, you know, age-wise how those numbers shake out or anything. I guess I'm kind of, um, it's an it's an issue like most issues that I would assume we're just going to slide left on over time. So, um, well, my understanding specifically with the political demographics is that abortion is one of like very few things that is just straight up like all left <laughs> pro-choice uh like all right pro-life kind of thing almost almost like perfectly when you're talking about legislators over the past like mm. 40 years or something like that sure um so that that has been one of the things that it, some of the analysis i've been hearing though is that it's been really safe to do that like it's something you can posture a lot on but and not like be able to talk about as something that you feel about but you could do it with the safety of knowing that it's not going to change uh and then now uh you know it's like oh well now it might actually change so probably a lot of it's going to reignite this discussion but people have kind of already set their stance you know written it in stone over the past 30 years of their political career so now it's like uh oh you know do i follow through do i you know change my mind it's interesting so i'm i'm also I'm interested in Biden's position as a um, as a Catholic because I, I, as far as I know, he's a he's pro-choice, right? right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So how does that work? Does he? Well, that may just be a political I wonder, survival there... thing. Like it may not be something that he's super jazzed about. But if he's going on a blue ticket, I don't think he could get away with any other opinion. No, no, but I, I, I guess I'm I'm zooming out and looking at this more more largely. Like, does uh, are do are Catholics a fan of Biden, or um, because he I assume runs afoul of them on more than just this one issue? That's a really I, interesting question. I don't know. I think I think Catholics in general, um, while the heads of the Catholic Church are probably pro-life, um, like probably most definitely pro-life, like Catholics as a whole. Are, are much more, like, widely varied in the positions they hold, um, which, mm-hmm. I, like, I agree, that that's a that's very interesting, but I don't think, I, I don't think he's gonna, like, catch a lot of heat from Catholics in general for being pro-choice here. Yeah, right. and I think one of the big driving factors behind some of that stuff is just how, how rigidly do people of any given faith really follow the doctrine of either, yeah. like, the coded doctrine of, i.e., the Bible, or... Especially in the case of a very, like, centralized dogma-style religion like Catholicism. Yeah, I, I um, guess you know, how, abortion how much they really seems like a, a pretty, I guess, a, a particularly contentious and religiously aligned issue. And the kind of religious affiliations with presidents have been interesting, especially lately. Like, Trump's relationship with the evangelical right was really interesting. Um it's. I mean, it's hard to imagine. Whatever your politics are, I think it's hard to imagine a president that was, you know, in his personal life more, you know, more offensive to the sensibilities of your average like evangelical Christian. Um, and yet he was in in a lot of respects like kind of a darling of the evangelical right. Um, and then Biden is a Catholic, but he is 
presumably departs on them from other issues in this one, although none spring to mind because I don't actually know what his personal positions are. I don't know. I, it's it's See, something that I'd, I'd be interested to read more about, but don't know much about. I don't know that most... I mean, how much does, i.e. Catholic dogma, really have any intersection with 99% of policy that's out there? Um, you know what I mean? Like, what, where... How often would, uh, apart from an issue like abortion, which, you know, as we kind of talked about earlier, maybe doesn't even have really a lot of basis in the Bible... Um, which has nothing to do with it being, you know, something that sure, gets brought sure. up a lot in a religious context. That's fair, but how often do a lot of these things get brought up? If you're not talking about, you know, a few social issues, which I would argue that this is a social issue, um, you know, apart from that, how often do policies come up that would really, I don't know, be grounds uh, for disagreement on a religious basis? I don't know. I mean, I, I think a lot of the... Um, I think a lot of the current discussion about what gets taught in classrooms has at least an, like, under-the-surface kind of religious current to it um, when it comes to religion's, religion's historical role in determining what is or isn't normal in our society and what's deviant. Okay, I can see that. Um, but that's, that's certainly, you know, a layer too deep and not, like, in your face. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm reaching a little there. Okay, and with that, I think we've probably yeah. resolved the abortion for issue. All so, for all right, you're welcome. I'll tell you yeah, what, if you were looking job. to get some new yeah. listeners, just let's just we should talk about contentious issues all the time. So yeah, and I think next week we clear, should solve immigration. Yeah, my position is mandatory abortion. Oh. Yeah, I don't know if you guys knew this, but Duncan is a big eugenicist. <laughs> so yeah, no, 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 you're going to have to abortion for the right for, for all. You know, I've always found eugenics to be really interesting because uh, it it kind of highlights the separation that we have between, uh, or this perceived separation between humans and any other form of life, where eugenics is something that we totally do in literally every other life form, but it becomes wrong with humans. Well, because Uh, humans are us. mm -hmm. I mean, it's that simple. Right. Yeah, it's selective breeding with anything else. When we breed dogs or tomatoes or, yeah, with anything else, yeah, but it's eugenics with us. Uh, And that's not me saying that I've got these great eugenics ideas that I think we should implement, but, um, you know, what is the moral distinction? And it's something we actually do practice from time to time. You can, when you, uh, if you're applying for, um, or, you know, like, if you're a sperm donor or something like that, mm-hmm. there are certain programs where as a sperm recipient, you can like ask for a certain like checklist of things like, hey, I want the the guy whose sperm, you know, I got it from to be over six foot or have a, you know, salary of Ooh, you know, I think whatever. There's a really important distinction there, though. That's that's a woman saying, hey, I want I want my kids to come from this certain, you know, lineage or have a certain trait more prominent. It's not somebody else making a decision about, you know, these people aren't allowed to have children. That's a completely different situation. I don't I know. Say it's completely uh, different. It's my choice like, versus I, somebody I else will... making the choice for me. Okay, well, let me let me throw this by you, though. So, frequently, I have approached women in bars and said, if you don't have sex with me, that's eugenics. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got him. No, and, and yeah. you're telling Jack, me that I'm I not worthy of breeding with you. Uh, because, I mean... There's no comeback. If you... <laughs> yeah, well, that's settled. Uh, now, I see your point. Um, I would just say that it's... Um, I don't really have a good way of phrasing it. I, I, could, I 
take back my argument. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I, I don't know, though. I, I mean, I, I think there's, although maybe a weak point, there's something to be said there that, like, sexual selection exists. And while, sure, morally, we may weight sexual selection by the person involved in the sexual process differently than you know, sexual selection by people external to that process, like, there's still selecting going on. Um, it's not like everybody breeds and there's plenty of genetic evidence out there that many, many members of the species never bred. Um, you know, there are a lot of genetic dead ends and it's, it's not chance. Yeah, it's, I intend it's to be one of them. choosing... Hmm? I said I intend to be one of them. Right. I mean, well, I, not me. I mean, I, here I am, six foot tall, <laughs> Joe Rogan lookalike. Um, you need to add something to that because you said it too many times now, and this needs to be a Todd Margaret thing. escalation. Yeah, add one thing every time. Right. So you're a six foot tall Joe Rogan lookalike eugenics enthusiast. So all, all I've ever said was like the the women that I go for follow the rule of sixes, right? I want them to be six feet tall, and I you want, want them, them to be six foot tall. You want them to have a six inch six penis, six pack eggs, <laughs> uh, yeah, a six, six figure salary, and a six inch penis. And I don't think that's asking too. I don't think it is either. I think that's perfectly reasonable. Okay, so Duncan, what were the other topics you wanted to discuss on this? So tabletop? my notes say BTK and <laughs> which we've abortion, already brought up. Abortion in the news. That's it. Oh, well, good job. <laughs> we did it. Um, yeah. Unsurprisingly, uh, we managed to already hit both those topics. It- well, we do need to hit inspiration at some point. Mm. Mm. But Jack, it sounds like you had something you wanted to say. Yeah, that. just one one last thing. I want to keep bringing it back to the abortion situation. It's going to be interesting to see that uh, a lot of states have trigger laws in place where the moment Roe v. Wade is not supplying a nationwide protection for abortion, it immediately becomes illegal in that state. It's like I think it's maybe thirteen states. That that might be wrong. That sure. number's in my head. It's somewhere around there. But yeah. I think there are going to be more that that come in. I I saw something about Louisiana was going to be passing a. Uh, well, it's it's not on the floor yet, but it's passed the pre- preliminary stuff and it's going to get voted on. Where uh, the you can uh, charge people with murder if yeah they, for, uh, for abort a well, fetus. and the wording of it makes it so that it it's also potentially punishable you know the wording is is sloppy so you can interpret it a lot of ways which i'm sure won't be abused if somebody has like an iud like that could be grounds for abortion because it makes it so that the <laughs> like the um zygote or whatever doesn't implant properly on the wall or oh it, it implants and then dies and they go oh murder yeah so that's one of the things that i was hearing about i was listening to uh David French on the Dispatch talk about this. Uh, the Dispatch is a podcast I listen to. It's it's a little more right leaning, but I would say pretty pretty reasonable. I try to have like a, a spread of podcasts across the spectrum. The and what he what he was talking about was how a lot of these state laws are just fucking garbage, um, and not even talking about the policy itself, uh, which. You know, obviously, there's plenty of room for debate. Well, yeah, the on problem is like a that, lot of them are inconsistent, or can be applied, or they're so vaguely worded that they can be applied to anything. Yeah, and it's it's just like this garbage law that usually ends up giving the government way too much power. Uh, people were, t- or he was talking about this a lot with the anti CRT laws, especially like the one in Florida, mm-hmm. um, where it it gives the government like this crazy amount the way the words or the way the law is written it gives the government this crazy amount of uh, ability to curtail free speech mm-hmm. 
Um, I think with the which abortion stuff... Which, of course, stuff, is kind of at the root of this thing anyway. But. With the abortion stuff, I suspect it's because Roe v. Wade has been in place for so long that none of these laws were applicable. And so nobody had any reason to scream about them. People would be annoyed about it, but they were always... Uh, the law wasn't going to do anything to them because Roe v. Wade prevented them from actually utilizing the law. Now, all of a sudden, it looks like it's going to be a problem, like, tomorrow, and people are going, oh, shit. Well, they also, yeah. they couldn't really do anything about it until Roe v. Wade went away because, I mean, the decision on whether or not that law was even valid had already been made. Yeah, the states could still change right, their but, own. I mean, the other argument is, well, that means that they've had tons of time to modify it into something that's actually good. Mm-hmm. If, if it's been sitting there, I don't know. That On the one hand, you could say, yeah, they didn't really need to work on it because they thought it was never going to come to pass. But on the other hand, if it's been sitting there for, you know, oh, a I'm not talking more, about the, the legislators on. working on it. I'm talking about people getting pissy that the law exists to begin with. Because ultimately, that's what causes legislators sure. to work on things is people saying, this is going to be an issue and it's going to affect my vote. Or companies getting involved and throwing money at it. There just wasn't enough reason for people sure. to push for it because it didn't matter. And except now it probably will very soon. Right, I get you. Okay. And with that, let's get into inspiration. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so, Nerf, who do you think deserves inspiration for the last oh session? Oh gosh. What happened last session? We had a big so, fight outside of the, the Wizard of Wines. Yeah, we got the assignment to go to the Wizard of Wines and do something funny. That would have the effect of depriving the citizens of Barovia of the Wizards of Winery wines. We went there, uh, you know, trying to think of good joke ideas, ended up fighting a tree, uh, and then resolving to go meet, uh, try to meet Baba Yaga and the Scarecrows to try to get the stones back or something. The stones that enable them to grow the, the grapes stones. from which they make the wine. Yeah. Um, so that that's what happened. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. No, that makes sense. Um, uh, Jack, what he's thinking? <laughs> who do you think should get inspiration? I'm gonna go with uh, with you slash Light of Dawn for the interaction with the people at the- Sir Darren Grasenby. Oh yeah, sorry, Sir Darren Grasenby for the interaction with the people at the Wizard of Wines, the civilians or whatever we want to call them, the workers. Um, I thought it was... I remember being entertained by the, like, hey, what's going on as we roll up in, you know, vampire outfits and we look super intimidating and you're just chatting them up like there's no big deal. I thought the um, that Nerf's idea was really good when we rolled up where he said that we're a, a traveling comedy troupe and that was... <laughs> <laughs> it was a great, great disguise. I'm not saying that's my inspiration vote, but if we're talking about that interaction, I think that was actually probably the best part uh, of it. I'm gonna... I, I said you first, so I'm gonna stick with it, but I'll give him an honorary mention. Mm, yeah. We're all about consistency <laughs> here. Uh, I'm going to... I, I mean, the thing that made me laugh the most is one of my own jokes, which is when uh, he initially said that the stones have been stolen... And I said, you must go to Bangkok Palace, <laughs> like it was uh, uh, Temple of yeah. Doom. I thought that that was, uh, I thought that was very timely and it made Are me laugh. yourself inspiration? Last night. Yeah, I'm voting for myself. All right. Is this the first time somebody's had enough balls to do that? It might be. I think yes. so. Gosh, I guess I'll vote for myself too, because that comedy troupe thing was pretty funny. <laughs> it was. It was a really good idea, and it definitely—it's like the the quickest shortcut to like add like why don't we just make our cover story as close as possible to the <laughs> oh, or as close as possible to the uh, like our objective. 
It was smart, for sure. Still took us until the end of the episode to figure out what that joke might be. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> we're still, I mean, we're still working on it, I think, anyway. Like, we'll do oh, the Baba sure. Yaga thing, and, and then, I don't know, something's gotta happen at the wines. Yeah, Nerf, your dogged determination to, you know, look at everything through the lens of, could this be a joke, uh, was definitely <laughs> valuable to the Enterprise. <laughs> well, it looks like Sir Darren Grazenby has it. Wait, no, I yeah. thought, uh, wait, I thought both of you, I thought Nerf got two votes. No, no. No. I voted for myself and Jack voted And then for I gave, I gave yeah. Nerf an honorable mention. And then I and then also I voted gave Nerf an honorable mention. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for what that's worth, which is yeah. nothing. <laughs> yeah, this honorable mention stuff is really, uh... It's loser talk. For me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, gets, he gets a participation award. I guess I can't say anything. <laughs> Nobody mentioned me, so... That's true. <laughs> well, it's because you never use inspiration. I use it all the time, so I yeah, need Yeah, I got a stockpile. I'm gonna blow it all when I finally decide to betray you all, and you won't be able to do a damn thing about it. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, oh, let me roll that again. Hey, just let me roll that again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, you know, it'll be, it'll be a... A bittersweet day when Light of Dawn finally croaks, because then I can, uh, you know, I like Light of Dawn. I think he's a great character. Mechanically, a little annoying to manage, I am sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll just be able to go into D and D Beyond and make a rogue. <laughs> Shepard, what is a uh, what's Sir Darren Grazenby's weird custom class again? He's a, a magus. Magus. <laughs> magus. So you laugh every time I say magus. Wait, is there some joke that I'm not in on here? It's just it's a funny sounding I, word. Yeah. Who wouldn't laugh? Yeah, don't worry about it. Magus. His his class is super sweet, and I wish I made Light of Dawn a Magus instead. Uh, well, I wish I had made him like a Paladin instead, but um, between the two, because he's got this awesome uh, elemental sword thing. It's like the best ability ever. Yeah, every time uh, you use it, I go, oh, that's that seems really cool. And the fact that you can then make them vulnerable to whatever element that you've infused your weapon with, that seems kind of broken. Yeah, the... Because the th- I agree, but... Once you get higher levels, it really makes it, uh... The thing that bounces it out is I only get the one attack. Uh, oh, you don't you so, don't have an extra attack? Can, no, I oh. don't. Uh, so that that's where it bounces out. is So I can do a lot of damage with one attack. Uh, but that's all I get. Uh, plus I can do the, um... Yeah, the I can bonus some, action cantrip or whatever. I think think it's that or the other way around where I, I cast a cantrip and get a bonus action uh yeah I can use an action to cast a cantrip and then bonus action to make a weapon attack but you know at the end of the day that's really not a lot of uh damage at like level 5 that's fine but once it's level 10 and other people start way outclassing me mm-hmm. uh or beyond that then it kind of it's not quite as good anymore but for the levels we're playing at it's it's pretty damn good and it gives me a lot of options for dealing with things because I can do basically any type of damage. I just have to declare it ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, with that, why don't we cut table talk, take a break, come back, and get started? Sweet. Sounds good. 